You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And once again, this is Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. I am, as always, your host, Ben Wolf. We're going to learn from our guest today how to develop a marketing strategy and avoid random acts of marketing. Uh, also, why you must tell your product or service and what that solves for your, um, excuse me, solve what that product or service solves for your customer rather than just how great your product is. Uh, you know, Tony Robbins always talks about uh, how you have to fall in love with your customer, not fall in love with your product. And uh, so there's a, an idea along those lines. And also the six elements of a successful marketing plan. And as always, the goal of the show is to share information, value that you out there, everybody out there in the entrepreneurial community can immediately use in their businesses, in their lives. Um, not just sharing uh, amazing entrepreneurial stories and accomplishments of successful entrepreneurs, although we have that too for context. And um, and uh, as always, remember to subscribe, leave a review through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, uh, so that you have more access to the value that we're sharing here, and others will also will have more access to it through the process of those higher numbers of uh, subscribers, of reviews. And uh, with that, I want to introduce our guest today. So she is founder and CEO of Authentic Brand, a national fractional chief marketing officer firm. Um, and uh, she is awarded one of the 40 under 40 in the Minneapolis-St. Paul Business Journal. She's been a marketing leader since 2001. Uh, also a past president of the Minnesota branch of the Business Marketing Association. She's a frequent guest on uh, many business podcasts. You can learn more about her company at AuthenticBrand.com. That's AuthenticBrand.com. Uh, there's a lot of great content there, articles that are of a lot of use to CEOs, to other business leaders, to marketing people at AuthenticBrand.com. So check that out. And without further ado, so I give you Jennifer Zick. Welcome, Jennifer. Thanks so much, Ben. It's a pleasure to be here today. Awesome. One thing that you'd said in the past is that your business is currently working or largely working on EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, and uh, and um, I guess you know we talked a little bit about what things were like before uh, before that, before you started uh, focusing on uh, on on your niche, on your on your uh, on your sweet spot in the business, and what things were like before that uh, in those days. I guess if you give us a little context to where you were before in your own business. Well, sure. Well, a little bit of background on Authentic Brand. Um, so we are just over two years old as an organization, um, but I have been familiar with and practicing um, EOS based on the book Traction um, for over a decade. In fact, I was part of a, I was a founding member of a company based here in the Twin Cities uh, mm -hmm. called Magnet 360. And we began implementing EOS back in about 2008 as one of the first companies in this market to oh. embrace the entrepreneurial operating system yeah, and it was a real it was a real game changer for us in in solidifying our focus and propelling our growth um, and so i've i've taken those learnings into my current business as well mm -hmm. as many of the foundational elements of eos into the way that we think about helping our clients build their marketing muscle. So it's a core component of how we run our business today and how we help our clients succeed in their businesses. Okay. And and what and what were things and, and could you say a little bit more about what things were like before 
I guess a little bit more, give us a little, paint a little bit more of a picture of what it was like before in your last business, I guess. Sure. That you, uh, that, you know, before you discovered that or, you know, what, you know, what changed? Yep. So again, hearkening way back, um, when we first started the business in 2001, we mm -hmm. were all in our, you know, we were all young in our careers with big ideas, big goals, um, with not a lot of leadership experience. You know, we had none of the been there, done that. So everything we were doing and building, we were doing and building for the first time. And we grew very, relate to that. yes. And so we grew really successfully for a while. You know, we were just, um, just dedicated people working hard and committed to our clients. And at the time we were a broad web services firm and we basically grew by saying yes to everything clients needed from us, which was mm -hmm. great for a while. But eventually mm -hmm. we hit a point where we couldn't scale that and we didn't know how to grow. We had gotten to be about 35 people and probably about 7 million in annual revenue. And we could not scale and grow because the 35 people in the business all had unique and different jobs and we weren't focused. And right. so at the time our CEO had had met Mike Payton, who is now um, the visionary head of EOS, took over for Gino Wickman mm -hmm. in recent years. And right. he at the time was the first EOS implementer in the Twin Cities market. Um, and so when our CEO heard about this platform to operationalize a business, he knew we needed that kind of help. So we started working with Mike Payton, um, implementing EOS in our business, and really got clear that we had to make some decisions about what we would not do in order to pursue where we felt the growth would really truly come from in the business. So we really reorganized the entire business, got laser focused, did a lot of hard work on right people, right seats. Um, and that that foundation gave us a, um, a healthy place to grow forward. And with that kind of focus and the cadence of communication that EOS promotes, mm -hmm. we were really able to operationalize um, in a focused way and create a vision that our employees could really uh, rally around. So it was a game changer for us. Right. That's, that's cool. And, and, and how specifically did that, did that help you scale? Because one of the things you said was that you would kind of hit the ceiling and that, and that this, and that this, uh, exercise and discipline help, helped enable you to grow and scale at that point in, in a way you couldn't after you had hit the ceiling. What, what, what specifically do you credit that difference to or group of things? Well, it was a combination of really implementing all the core components of EOS. But the first thing that we had to do as a team was agree on um, you know, really the kind of the first page of the vision traction organizer, the VTO, what would be our core focus? You know, right. what would be our market that we were going to play in? How would we be different? And what were our three uniques? And mm -hmm. how would we prove that difference through a proven process? And when we started to get clarity around those components, we started to have to rule other things out. In right. order to get narrow, we had to say no to things. Right. And this is a message I preach all the time to our to our executive clients as we work uh -huh. with them on the marketing side of the house is that no business has unlimited time, re uh, human resources or monetary resources. You cannot be all things to all people because that spray and pray approach will not get you anywhere. <laughs> it will dilute all your energy in a lot of different directions rather than centering it in a very focused direction. And so, you know, we have to as businesses and leaders learn to be really disciplined about saying no or not yet to a lot of good ideas in order right. to say yes now to the most important ideas that really move the business forward. 
So EOS provides a platform that constantly challenges your team to say no to a lot of good things so that you can say yes right. to the best things and stay focused. Well, that is super helpful. I mean, I guess that, that kind of keys into what I was going to ask about next, uh, which is which is if you could say a little bit more about, okay, well, you know, w once you discovered that, once you started to narrow down your core focus, what what was it narrowed down to? So in other words, who are you speaking to? Who, who are the kinds of clients that you that you do work with? What's mm -hmm. your what's your target market? Yeah, well, now I'll talk um, about present tense company, my business, because the okay. previous yeah, experience was... was a past life and kind of where I learned EOS. But today in my own business at Authentic Brand, I knew that I needed to start day one with a vision traction organizer. I knew I needed a documented business plan because what gets documented is what gets done, right? right? So I did not want, when I founded the business two years ago on day one, it was just me. And I knew that if I didn't clarify my focus, my target market, my three uniques, all of those things, that my clients would define it for me, right? They would pull me to what they right. needed rather than me deciding what my business would be. Right. And so on day one, I knew like I had to answer some questions in my own heart about was I going to be an independent consultant or build a business? I knew I was building a business and that I mm -hmm. knew I wanted to serve for us, for Authentic Brand. We're now a team of 16 people and we serve businesses who are between five and 50 million in annual revenue. Usually mm -hmm. um, we serve across industries. And the common denominator for us is that these businesses have been very successful reaching, you know, whatever milestone they've achieved by being mostly a sales focused organization with a good product or good service um, and good clients. But they are now struggling to get that next level growth because they've never had a marketing leader in house who's been there, done that, can partner strategically with sales and actually um, you mentioned earlier as you introduced me, um, actually help the business move from random acts of marketing to a str strategic, sustained, and sales-aligned marketing program. So um, the clients we work with are, are ready to reach for the next level, and they are ready to recognize that marketing has to be a sustained, strategic component of that plan to get them there. Well, that is, I mean, that that's really interesting. You know, I definitely want to dive into into some of those pieces that you're that you're talking about now. And and yes, I did get that phrase, obviously, from you, random acts of marketing, which I just thought was a, a great a great phrase uh, to describe. You know, oh, here's a good idea. Oh, there's a good idea. Yeah, exactly. Shiny object syndrome. It's everywhere. <laughs> right, right. And um, so. Uh, so how did you okay so so then where, where did that lead you to where did that lead you to next so then you you know you you developed that mm -hmm. you developed that target market and um i know we talked about a, a couple of things that you do and again i know i want to i want to get soon to what people should be having in mind if they're doing their own marketing if they're coming up with a marketing plan not necessarily yep. hiring somebody else i, I want to get to that in a minute uh but just more for context i also want to understand uh, so you, you talked about this, been there, done that leader in marketing to be able to partner with sales. Um, what, uh, what, wh where did you come, where did you come next to this either fractional CMO concept or yeah. you know, what, what, what other concepts do you have that you're doing for people now? Yeah. Thank you. So when I first, again, once I, when I first launched the business and started building my business plan, I did not have yet my proven process and i didn't even have language for how to describe what it would be that we would do in the world i just okay. knew the two problems i wanted to solve help to solve in the world one problem that i saw that was prolific was that a lot of fantastic growing businesses 
did not have an experienced marketing leader and probably couldn't afford one on a full-time basis quite yet. I thought Mm -hmm. the world needs a bridge solution for growing businesses to have senior experienced marketing leadership on a part-time basis. So I knew I wanted to help solve for that challenge with process and methodology behind it that was proven to help drive results. On the other hand, like a real catch 22. I mean that, yeah, it can, it does, but it, it, it's, um, it's a rock and a hard place because in the past businesses have really only had a couple options. If they wanted to start bringing marketing really into the picture, they could either hire it full time. Well, you know, to get a VP of marketing on a full time basis, you're talking about, you know, an all in package of $200,000 or more between salary benefits, bonus, and all of that, Mm -hmm. which is hard to go from zero to 200 plus for, for our new role in the business. Right. Um, they could, a, a lot of businesses operate in a, in a um, environment where the CEO or the founder or maybe the head of sales owns marketing, but by mm-hmm. owning marketing while trying to either run the business or drive sales, it really doesn't get the attention it deserves. And it often mm-hmm. doesn't have the leadership that really knows how to activate that strategically. So it ends up sitting on the back burner, continuing to be reactive instead of proactive. Um, Mm -hmm. The other way to run marketing is to try to outsource it to agency partner or partners. But when you outsource your brand, um, you really can't manage the vision around it in the same way when you own it in-house and you're collaborating very closely with executives and the sales leadership team. So it's hard to get true value um, outsourcing marketing to one or more agency partners, particularly when they're... um, becoming more and more nuanced about whatever discipline they might do, whether that be social media or content or web development. And if those Mm -hmm. partners aren't talking with each other, then nobody's owning the brand. So I saw in the small business environment, the five to $50 million market, a real opportunity to bring centralized sales aligned strategy in-house without having businesses need to make a full-time commitment right out of the gates, Right. right? On the other hand, there's a lot of brilliant marketers Um, who have, like I did in my career, achieved a certain level of success, um, but also recognize that the closer you get to the top of the organization, the more likely you are to get get cut. A lot of senior Mm -hmm. marketers at the VP and CMO level experience um, a lot of turnover in those roles because a lot of enterprises don't have the stick with itness to see marketing through. You know, to really put a marketing strategy into place in a B2B environment um, can take 18 to 24 months or more. So a lot of very senior experienced marketers are tired of the the churn and burn cycle and are ready to go independent and do meaningful work for smaller businesses. And so we have the opportunity to grab that talent and and match Mm. them up with really um, high potential small businesses and bring a lot of impact. So to get to answering your question, I didn't have a name for this. I just knew what I wanted to solve in the world. And I spent the first year of my business um, meeting with EOS implementers and CEOs of small businesses and other entrepreneurs to explain what I wanted to solve and to get feedback. And I really, and well, at the same time, we were doing, you know, whatever work I could do to get revenue in the door so that I could launch this model. Um, knowing that that was, you know, for a year I would need to do that. Right, um, so 
Yeah. So over the course of that year, we not only validated the model and I was able to build some methodology behind it by working with clients, but we were able to get a name for it. And fractional CMO is a new concept in the market. There aren't a lot of people playing in this space, but it has existed as a concept for a long time with, you know, HR. So part-time mm-hmm. outsourced contracted HR support. Um, fractional CFOs and fractional controllers on the finance and operation. So the operational side of the business has been familiar with the fractional concept for a while. It's newer on the marketing side of the house, but it's very effective. And um, we're proving that client by client. Um, So it's been, it's been a really joyful journey to, to put some words and language around what it is we bring to the market. Yeah, no, that is really interesting. And I I guess I connect that to the relatively new concept of a fractional integrator or fractional COO, outsourced COO, uh, which is also a relatively new concept and, uh, but, you know, solves a similar, uh, solves a a similar uh, conundrum or uh, rock and a hard place problem as well, which is, you know, which is that, uh, which is that, you know, you can't really do the focus on growing the business, innovating, getting it to the next level. Uh, when you're so swamped with all the day-to-day. So to have a fractional COO, an outsourced COO, integrator, is a, uh, is a kind of a middle ground between that, that big-ticket item of, of bringing on an experienced COO who can you know, kind of run the day-to-day of the company for you so the, so the visionary, the CEO, can focus on the, on the big stuff, on the, on the big uh, innovations that will move everything forward. Um, so they can let go of that day to day, right? Uh, you know, so it's hard to afford that, but yet it's hard to get to the state and the stage where you can afford that without having that person help you get there. That's right, and so. that's our entire model: is that you know, much like a fractional COO or even an EOS implementer, mm-hmm. our role is to help our client businesses build strong marketing muscle and momentum so that they can justify making it a full-time hire to continue supporting their growth over time. So we right. we don't look to make ourselves, you know, a permanent fixture with our clients. We're there for mm-hmm. the journey as they build that momentum. And then, you know, in addition to the fractional CMO services we provide, which are usually, um, by the way, a little bit different than some of our competitors. Um, so you'll sometimes hear fractional CMO offered more as a like, on-demand on senior advisory support. And while we can, you can ask questions Yes, too? yep. And while we can offer that and we're starting to roll that into our program, the core of what we do is we literally sit in that seat on the accountability chart, but on a part-time basis. So mm-hmm. our fractionals are usually working as the VP of marketing for our clients about half time. And um, when they're in the same market, they work in the office with the leadership team, with the sales organization. They manage mm-hmm. the marketers in the organization if there are any. Um, and mm-hmm. they coordinate and manage the vendors and the contractors that work on behalf of the marketing program. So when we talk about fractional CMO, we really mean for an EOS business, you know, the right person in the right seat um, until it makes sense mm-hmm. to hire that role full time. Right. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, l- let's drill down now a little bit into into the into the the day to day of of people who 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 know that they need to do better in marketing and now like when you find people and where they're before they're coming to before they're before they're coming to someone like you mm-hmm. uh, what what are some of you know I'm sure people will be able to relate to this but what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people mm-hmm. making in their marketing program yeah well I've alluded to a couple of these so one one mistake that I see commonly is the belief that uh, marketing 
any kind of marketing is 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 good marketing. Um, and I see a lot of businesses spend a lot of dollars because they've been convinced to just hire a digital agency and outsource marketing to the digital agency because they want to get their lead volume up. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, What's wrong with that the tactics of marketing must follow a strategy that aligns to your business goals. So okay. when so when we just buy a tactic without mapping that back to, you know, who's our audience, what's our story, how do we resonate that with them, and what's our sales process, and how does this fit into the process, we often are just mobilizing a bunch of activity that doesn't even map into what we need for results. So, you know, one of my former bosses used to say, and I think this is brilliant, that if you just go start investing in building a MarTech stack, marketing technology, and just start blasting your message out to the world through social advertising or email marketing or you know digital display ads or whatever that is, if you're building the MarTech stack as a as the the way you're going to build, but you mm-hmm. haven't created a strong story, you don't have your story right, you don't have your audience right, you don't have that focus in place. All you're doing is making your story suck faster to more people right? A bad story. So like, you got to get your, you got to know your business plan first. You have to have, and half, about half of our clients run on EOS today. And those who run on EOS are much better at this because they've already done the very important first step of documenting a business plan. They know mm-hmm. what their growth goals are. They, they've vetted that out, hopefully to being realistic um, mm-hmm. They know who their audience is that they're going to focus on. They know what makes them unique from their competition. Right. And they have the beginnings of working toward a story um, and how they want to grow in a healthy fashion. And after that is when you start to apply the tactics. Um, and and a good senior marketing leader, somebody who has seen cycles of business growth and evolution will understand you know, how to pull what levers for what tactics and what channels at what time and then how to refine those based on what the engagement data will tell you over time. Um, so, and then another mistake that I see a lot of businesses make um, is that they think they believe now they're ready to bring marketing in-house, and then they think that they need to just hire. I see so many small businesses trying to hire the same, you know, what we would call a unicorn for marketing. We want mm-hmm. somebody with two to five years of experience who can do everything, right? From leading and managing events and logistics to designing our collateral to writing all of our content to um, doing our partner and channel communication strategy to running our website to managing our social channels they want one marketer at a low price point that can be a master of all things and they falsely assume that if they hire somebody who's young they'll be more digitally savvy Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they want all of this again for like fifty to seventy thousand dollars a year, um, right. very. I've seen I've seen places doing that. <laughs> yeah, yes, and that sets your marketer up for disappointment and failure, and it sets your business up for disappointment and failure. There are a lot of young, digitally savvy marketers who can be incredibly successful for your business if they have good strategic direction, and they're supported by leaders who understand that no one marketer can do every facet of the very complicated world of marketing today, um, but that they might be able to be a really excellent project manager around some of the tactics, supported by other resources who can really be the deep ninjas in specific skill areas. So um, too many businesses put too much expectation on a single 
uh, lesser experienced marketer, and then it's no surprise that that person ends up feeling like a failure, and the the their leaders end up feeling like it the the person is the problem. Very rarely is it the is it the wrong person in the wrong seat. It's often the right person in the wrong seat with the mm-hmm. wrong set of expectations attached to them. So that's a huge problem. Too right. many marketers are losing their jobs because businesses don't know how to set them up for success. Right. Wow. Okay, so I'm sure people are, are are relating to this. I know one thing you you talked about before is that you know probably marketing is just a project of the CEO or the visionary or maybe the sales leader, mm-hmm. um, and uh, in a rather than being a, a separate thing. I guess one thing one thing that made me or a separate expert, separate leadership seat. One thing I, I guess that made me curious about because I, I just don't know enough about marketing to to know the answer to this is is uh is that um, in a sense and you know i i'm could be just suffering from the same type of thinking that gets people to making this mistake but if if marketing isn't just a way of getting more leads so to speak but Mm. like it's i mean like you would think you know getting more leads to sales and the sales people make sales that brings in money so how Uh so like what's the what's the other what are you missing What? <laughs> like, what else are you missing if it's not well, all about right. leads? I'm, I'm obviously missing something. But, <laughs> but what, what? What else? What, you know, what? I mean, obviously, it has to make. I mean, marketing has to make money. I mean, yes. you know, the, that's the that's, that's the, the whole point of it. Of ultimately, it. the whole so, point of it. So where? How does it? How does it connect to? I guess how does it connect to the bottom line? Yes. This higher ideal of marketing. Yes. Well, I, I first of all, I have to preface by saying that before I was ever a marketing person or a marketing leader. I was in sales and sales management. So I cut my teeth on the other side of the revenue house, right? So I was in sales, sales leadership, eventually took on the marketing leadership role. But really, you know, when when I was the VP of sales and marketing for a fast growing business, it really meant I was leading a sales team and I was still selling and there was maybe a monthly newsletter going out. We were not a marketing organization yet. Mm -hmm. But when we hit that point, that tipping point, where we recognized we needed true marketing, I actually moved into that role and then built an entire marketing team. And so I have seen well, all... How do you know when you're at that tipping point? I mean, I, I, want, I want to continue that line of thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you yeah, know yeah. when you're at the tipping point? When you, um, can, when you no longer can fuel um, momentum into your pipeline. Like at that point, it's like our sales team was doing everything. All of our resources on the sales team were directed at, as they should be, client retention, client expansion, looking for and and working to close net new client opportunities, but the volume of our pipeline was not as strong as it needed to be to get us to next level growth. At some point, you will squeeze the turnip as hard as you can around nurturing your black book of existing relationships and relying on referrals from existing customers and relying Mm -hmm. on retention. And when you really need to drive that next level growth, you've got to have a reason that people are engaging with you, right? And, and most businesses will reach a point where it's like, it is no longer sustainable to just throw more sales bodies at this problem, right? We need right. to be attracting and engaging and building long-term. Or just increase another 10 or 20,000 a month and your Google yeah. AdWords spend or something. Right, we, <laughs> need to be, we need to be adding at the top line of the pipeline and, and we need to do it in a way that is strategic and really connected to attracting the kind of business we actually want. Um, because many businesses just throw more marketing dollars into the ad 
ad funnel thinking that will just yeah. boost the number of leads. Yeah. Most of the time, if that's done without strategic guidance around it, you find yourself in the situation I found in my last full-time gig, which was I walked into a business that was spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on lead generation and had a team of like 12 business developers that spent all of their time just trying to qualify because we had huge volumes mm. of leads, huge right. volumes. But when you peel back... Yep, unqualified. And that just creates this culture of marketing versus sales with and then marketing versus the CFO and the CFO is saying, we're spending all this money on marketing. Why is it not right. converting to revenue? And sales right. saying, marketing is only throwing us junk. And then, you know, right. you if you but if you turn that lead off then they're saying we don't have enough at bats right it's a lot of unnecessary friction um so i'm let me kind of loop back around because we're answering a lot of questions at once here but i want to come back around to your first question which was Thanks. how do we hold marketing <laughs> accountable so because i grew up in sales before i was a marketer i know and now as a business owner the only metric that actually matters for marketing is revenue. That's the only metric that matters. But there are a million metrics that give you the insights to know whether you are effectively moving to a revenue impact. And the timeline that's needed for marketing to truly become a strategic partner and build that infrastructure and truly driving sales um, usually has, and we have a lot of content about this on our blog, there's an evolution. Most of the clients that we start working with at the five to $50 million mark, um, they have been living in a land of random acts of marketing. That's where they've just been. They've been doing things, right? They've spent money. They've spent money on trade shows, on sponsorships, on advertising. But there's been very little accountability or even tracking of what those results have been because nobody's been the shepherd of that, right? right. And so as a result, they really don't often have baseline metrics to even start measuring effectiveness. So often the first scorecard, if you will, on the marketing plan is about tracking behavioral metrics, right? Like, let's just at least build the muscle to do the right thing and decide as a team that we're gonna do the right thing. So behavioral metrics might look like we're, we are going to commit to producing three customer case studies this quarter. We are going to commit to actually counting the number of phone call leads we get and the number of website leads that we get. We're gonna track that data. So behavior- a case study. A case study, like an example of customer success a customer success story. Um, and we could have an entirely separate podcast about the importance of capturing and showcasing customer success. And like you said, when we started the business making, falling in love with your client, not your own product or service. Right. Too many businesses talk all about themselves all day long. Right, our proven right. process, our three uniques. You know what, that's great foundation to help your team center, but it's not a story to bring to market because it's not about your customer. You have mm -hmm. to make it about the customer. Um, and so, you know, the first, generation of scorecard metrics in your marketing organization as you start working toward revenue accountability is behavior. The behavior that aligns marketing and sales and executive teams. After that, it's getting a good baseline set of metrics. What dollars are we spending on marketing and what level and quality of leads come through each of those channels and activities. After that, it becomes predictive. Okay, now we can predict that when we spend this amount of dollars in these channels, we should expect this back. After predictive, you can really tighten it up and get it down to cost, um, tightening up the cost of lead acquisition. So most businesses have a few key levers that they can manage to if they simply get disciplined. Um, and they can start to track and understand how marketing and sales can work together to, for instance, increase the quality of leads increase the quantity of leads within those channels that produce quality with the right kind of people and then help to decrease 
and, and shorten the sales cycle so that we're converting faster, helping prospects move through that decision process more quickly. And finally, you asked, you know, if marketing is not just about lead gen, what is it about? I preach right. a lot about businesses over obsession with marketing resources being directed only at lead gen. It Marketing is should be the brand and communication heartbeat of your organization and it should the resources of your marketing team should extend across the customer life cycle from creating the lead with and then helping sales pursue that lead with good sales enablement content whether that's pitch decks um, demos whatever content helps them get the deal moved through mm -hmm. all the way to customer creating customer advocates and champions helping to share the success stories of the customers in a way that makes them the hero and the rock star so they love your brand even more and that right. they would refer you helping sales ask for the referrals helping sales um, present upsell cross-sell opportunities all with good marketing support so um, if I can just you know most people are familiar with a traditional like sales and marketing funnel right where the leads come in at the top and they funnel down the steps to the point of conversion, right? And mm -hmm. in the old model, marketing was simply accountable to create leads, period. You hand them off to sales, that's the end of the accountability, everything is on right. sales from there. That's not how the customer journey works today in a digital environment where every touch is a reflection of your brand through that life cycle. The salesperson does not own the client, the business owns the client and the brand experience. So the new model is the bow tie of the customer journey, flip the funnel on its side and add a funnel across from it shaped like a bow tie where marketing is working with sales to move them through to the point of conversion. And then marketing continues to work with sales to expand accounts and, and expand advocacy with those clients all the way through. So I do, you know, you can probably tell it in my voice. I get pretty passionate about, yeah, that's great. Yeah. I get passionate about um, CEOs and CFOs, and COOs who think that marketing only exists to create leads. Um, that's not the case. Marketing should be helping your business across uh, recruiting talent, retaining talent, recruiting and retaining clients. Yeah, right. It's not right. It's on the right. It's on the talent side too. Oh my gosh. You it's culture. It's talent. Yep. Yeah. And so marketing, when marketing is really working as a strategic partner in your business, your marketing leader is working very closely with your head of HR, with right. your head of finance, with your head of operations, with your head of product or services delivery, customer service, with certainly with your head of sales. Like marketing ends up being the glue that ties it all together so that it's a unified story and experience for those who experience your brand in-house or outside or through your channel. So it's all, all right. of it, which can be really a lot if you don't have a leader. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is a lot. And it's it's, you know, it's making me think of, about a lot of things, you know, in places where I've been and the way that the way that marketing was thought of and, you know, different experts or, or consultants that were brought in to try to do some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'm just like thinking, you know, you're talking about 18 to 24 months or whatever you said earlier in terms of a process of, of seeing of seeing the you know, fully seeing the difference, I guess. Um, but just how, you know, it's hard. I guess that's why you do need a mature enough organization that, that can afford to yes. make the investment over a period of time and not, and not get discouraged about the fact that, well, it's been two or three months and that's you know, right. leads are not going through the roof yet. That's right. Cause that's what it's all focused on. That's right. And, and too many, and I, I understand when you're a small business, cause we are a small business. We're a two year old business. My marketing budget is bootstrap right now. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Every investment I make needs to 
prove the value, right? Um, I could not afford to hire yet. One of our own fractional CMOs on I, I'm still playing that role within my own company, right? But right. but I value marketing and I know, here's what I know. It's not a 30, 60, 90 day experiment. It cannot be about right. the it cannot be about the next flashy idea or great campaign. It has to be about the life of our business and the lifeblood of our business. And on day one at Authentic Brand, we, I started creating content. And I knew it would take two years for that content on our blog to organically ever attract any leads. And that's true. I mean, we're in year two now, and now we're organically attracting um, leads based on our organic content. And we'll start layering in some paid, and we'll start doing all those other next level things. But this is a this is a process that takes time, and it has to be appropriately mapped into the way you're growing your business and it can't be an experiment you'll just throw money out the window maybe some things will stick but it won't sustain well that's right well that that's where the value i mean i think that these kind of ideas is where the value is coming into it for people so okay look so somebody maybe somebody can't even afford a a fractional cmo yet at this stage right yeah totally what what are the elements that they uh they want to take some of these lessons to heart they don't want to they don't want to be the one that you're talking about here with all these mistakes, you know, at least a few months down the road. Yep. So what can what can what can people be doing for their own marketing plan to the best of their ability, um, with the resources they have to to uh to you know to, to improve their, their marketing yep. structure, make it fulfill more appropriate goals, be better and more strategic. What yep. are the what are the elements that, that should should have? Yeah, I always go back to a few simple concepts. They're they're simple in the sense that they're not complicated, but that doesn't mean that they are easy. This requires right. discipline, but it's not expensive. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be expensive. Businesses must create content. They must be disciplined about having the time and the expertise to create content. The way that you tell your story, it has to be ongoing and you have to create um groundswell from that. And so the first thing a business should do, whether it's day one, they've just launched or they're in year two and they're five people, whatever that case is, mm-hmm. you have something to share with the world that's important. If you didn't, you shouldn't be in business and you wouldn't have what, clients. What kind of content and how, how would they use it? Well, the there's no one size fits all here, but I'm just going right. to use an example. Exactly. If you're a oh, sure. B2B, I'm going to use B2B services firm. That's what we are, right? We sell B2B. We know that our buyers are out there looking for solutions to marketing. They might not even know what those things are called. Most people are not shopping for fractional CMO. They're, mm-hmm. they're they, they want to understand how do I build a marketing plan? How do I, you know, hold marketing accountable, right? So, mm-hmm. We write blogs that answer those questions, right? And then mm-hmm. we don't just write them and put them on our website like a field of dreams. Like if you build it, they will come. That's not how it works, right? Okay. You have to mobilize your thought leadership in the market. And many companies falsely believe that that means posting it on your corporate LinkedIn page or your corporate Twitter feed and then expecting that people will see it. Mm-hmm. People, even in a B2B buying cycle, Business people don't buy from brands. They buy from people they trust. Mm -hmm. And they go to people that they trust for insight. And so the way to really propel your brand into market, from from the earliest days of authentic brand, the people in my network would say to me, I see authentic brand everywhere. 
Well, that's not by accident, and we're not paying for that. For 20-some years, I've been cultivating a rich LinkedIn network of people that truly know me and who right. have interacted with me in some way to start developing a reputation of trust. And now when we create content on our blog and I share it through my network, they don't see it as just a branded piece of content. They see it as advice coming from Jennifer Zick. Right. And when right. my team members take that content and they share it, the people in their network see it as valuable advice coming from them, people they trust. So that ex that um, and, it and how are you building that up? How, do, how should people build that up? Well, social that's that falls into a category of what is called social selling. Right. Which is how to teach people how to use social media tools to sell. But I think it's a terrible misnomer because the best kind of social quote selling is when you're not selling anything at all. You're not talking about your products or services. You're offering valuable answers and advice and insights to the world. And by doing mm -hmm. that, you build trust. And when you build trust, you build cr your brand and then your brand will sell, right? And so we've been very purposeful about training our team members on how to use LinkedIn to share content, why it helps build their professional brands, how that mm -hmm. reflects positively on ours. We don't demand it because that's not authentic, but we do empower it. And so small businesses can start right now by creating helpful content. And don't just guess at what that would be. Ask your customers, what, what do we offer to you that's valuable? What, do you, what can we help share that you would value and appreciate? Create content that your buyers appreciate and then teach your team why they would want to use um, social media to be an advocate of that content to reinforce and build their own professional brand and acumen. And then, you know, of course, bring business back to your own organization. So content, um, being able to socially share that through the relevant channels where your buyers might be and live. For us, because mm -hmm. we're B2B, that's LinkedIn. For a different kind of business, it might be Instagram. It might be Twitter or some combination of other channels, right? But start now. And then the other thing I would say because I could offer a lot of different advice is yeah, this, I mean, we could do, a, <laughs> we could go forever, but the last yeah. thing I'll say is start early to keep, to make sure you have complete and clean data because the longer your business exists without strong CRM discipline for capturing prospect and customer data completely and accurately, the worst mess you're going to have to clean up later. Like think now about what you would want your marketing program to do in the future and make sure your database is capturing that information today, not just a name and an email address, but like, do you think you might want to host regional events someday? If so, make sure now that you know what city and state your contacts live in so you can market regionally to them when that time right. comes. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg, obviously, it on is. that point. And, uh... <laughs> And, uh, and, uh, what's it called? So it's, uh, yeah, really, there's a lot more we could go. I think, you know, kind of out of the time, out of time in terms of what we were hoping to allocate today. Uh, but with, you know, with, with a few of these things here, there's a lot, a lot more we could talk about and, uh, a lot more I would like to learn from you, uh, you know, for my business, you know, business of my clients and, and, um, and so this is this is really great stuff. I appreciate it. Of course. And uh, hopefully, you know, maybe we can continue again, uh, continue again another day. We'll do another yeah. another another episode get together at some point. I would enjoy that. And I just would um, clarify from the the opener that our web address is authenticbrand.com, all one word, but not plural. I know that can be confusing. So authenticbrand. 
www.thisisfreeforthinking.com. There's a lot of content out there um, that might be helpful. We really write um, in terms of talking mostly to our CEO and founder and owner clientele about how mm-hmm. to solve for some of these challenges in your organization, how to know when you're ready to, to start investing next level marketing. Okay, awesome. So authenticbrand.com. That's amazing. And uh, thank you for coming out. And we look forward to seeing everybody on the other side. Have a great day. Awesome. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. Ben Wolf.